0: LBC 97.3 This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen.
1: Morning! Steve Allen here with you this Sunday morning. Still a bit throaty, still a bit throaty, but feeling a lot better. Hope you've enjoyed your weekend so far, because it's about to get so much better. For the next hour, you get to hear my best bits from the week, and then in an hour's time, I'll be in conversation with two fantastic guests. This week, I'm joined by the electrifying... Olivia Newton John, who opens up about her battle with depression and breast cancer, and former Strictly star Joe Wood, who's revealing all about her relationship with Ronnie in her new book. But first of all, let's have my favourite bits from the week. And having been away last week, I was keen to get straight down to business. I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's, uh, let's, let's see if we can destroy a few more celebrities this morning, <laughs> having annihilated Jason Manford. But I mean, I'm sorry. You know, if if you sit on the television and you start talking about, yes, marriage, you know, three gorgeous girls and all the rest, I'm thinking you're a dirty phone texter. You know, there's no excuse for it. And why they never mentioned it, I've got no idea. I've really got no idea. The good news was over the weekend I was very pleased because I've met him on a few occasions and he was always very charming to me. And for no other reason than that, and the fact that I think we need him back in Coronation Street, they've certainly certainly had enough sort of problems down there. Kevin Kennedy might return, you know, as Curly Watts... Uh, details are being thrashed out. He says, yes, I have had a meeting. Well, as far as I'm concerned, he is one character. I can't even remember how he left. But whatever it is, he played Curly for more than 20 years. And uh, he lives with his family in Brighton. Uh, no date's been fixed for anything yet. But, fingers crossed, on the cards, he could be, uh, he could be back into Coronation Street. Because presumably they're going to write Michael Lavelle out for the foreseeable future until the court case is dispensed with. So it needs somebody to come back in and do something, and I think he can come back in and do it. I'm also slightly worried, slightly worried, about uh, the man who quit as Britain's top Catholic cleric, who admitted last night, having, of course, denied everything in the beginning, sexual misconduct, originally threatened legal action, and uh, this is uh, Cardinal Keith O'Brien, an astonishing about-turn, biggest U-turn I've ever seen. And he says that the uh, the sexual conduct had fallen below the standards expected of me. And uh, he'd earlier said he contested allegations made by three priests and a former priest and was taking legal advice. And then he's he's done this, um, this apology. And he says, I will now spend the rest of my life in retirement. I will play no further part in the public life of the Catholic Church in Scotland. Um, and he says there... There have been times that my sexual conduct has fallen below the standards expected of me as a priest, archbishop and cardinal. To those I've offended, I apologise and ask forgiveness. To the Catholic Church and people of Scotland, I also apologise. Well, well, that's it. We just wipe our hands of it now, do we? We just sort of say, OK, darling, you just go and sort of sit back with your, your gold cloth and all the rest of it and just forget about it. Because for these three priests who came forward, life's been made hell for them. You know, within the Catholic Church, this is this is frowned on. They don't encourage anybody to come out and talk about any sexual misconduct or misdoings or anything like that. You know, they they they, they don't talk about that sort of thing. So he just thinks, "I'll issue a little statement, then go and sit back and a little, you know, a little one up, one down, or whatever it is." I don't think it's going to go away that quickly. I really don't. Uh, the person who isn't going away any time soon, and they're uh, obviously very excited. They've uh, they've introduced Ian Highland. To the Daily Mirror. Now, I don't know who's gone from the mirror then. <coughs> for Ian... Excuse me. Uh, for Ian Highland. He says, when I first started TV reviewing, Ricky Gervais was still funny. Oh, God, that goes back a few years. That goes back a few years. Um, he has um, favourites on the television. He has things he doesn't really like. His favourite entertainment show was Stars in Their Eyes. Currently, he likes Britain's Got Talent. He likes Tommy Cooper. Currently, he likes Jimmy Carr. He likes Anton Deck. Um... He, he seems like all the things. I liked Ian Highland. He's sort of pitched up on a couple of television programmes. I think he pitches up with Matthew Wright on his programme. And uh, he's good. So, so they must have lured him with uh, with copious amounts of money to actually, uh, to actually get him to defect to the mirror because I think he was doing one of, was it The People or something? I can't remember. Something like that. Either way, you'll probably read him now weekly in the Mirror, and it'll be very, very good indeed. He was always very good. I like him, I like Kevin Maguire. I've got a few a few of my favourites that I use on the programme all the time, which is great. I did cut a piece out of one of the Sunday papers, and it was on, um... They call a dopey actress, Helen Stupid Thicco Flanagan, who even the son, I think, on Sunday said, is this the stupidest woman in the country? And the answer is, she is, I'm afraid. She's a bit remedial. And, uh She's, uh, she was supporting pro-anorexia messages on the internet and things like that. She's issued a grovelling apology on Twitter. I mean, she plugged thin inspiration pictures of skinny girls on photo-sharing site Instagram. She insisted the pictures were d- I mean, you really are as stupid as they come, aren't they? I don't know why anybody ever books you for anything, love. You're an embarrassment to everybody. You know, who, I mean, you really are. You really are. You were thick enough on the television. Your character was dim in Coronation Street. Your acting is lame. There is nothing about you that is that is rememberable at all. You're just a bit dim. Although not half as dim as Kelly Brook. Dear me, I watch Celebrity Juice. You know, Keith Lemon, who is apparently a character created by apparently some actor. No, it isn't. It's the same person. It looks the same, behaves the same. It's just an opportunity to spout filth at women. And I've never seen such filth in my life. I mean, it just gets worse and worse. I don't know why anybody in their right mind would ever, ever want to go on Celebrity Juice. But there he was, poor old Marvin, the one who married Rochelle from the Saturdays, the one who sounds like a bloke. And uh, he was on there. Bruno Tonioli, but, I mean, he'll turn up for the opening of a fridge door. Who else was on there? Kelly Brook, who is dim. I mean, dim. That's going to take them forever to do this programme. She is so dim. She's been fired from every programme she's ever been on because she's Dim. I did love the apology that she got from Katie Price. Katie Price had to do a grovelling apology. It's always nice when the ugly bag, you know, the one who apparently used to be a glamorous model about 1,500 years ago, and is now well past her sell-by. By By the way, she's getting married. A couple of her girly friends let slip that the date is the 30th of this month and they've been told to keep the day free. So expect another pathetic example of shameless publicity for the well-known old has-been that is Jordan, the woman who can't write... Can't string two words together. Is, uh, and then has to... The apology was hilarious to Kelly Brook. I loved the apology. I didn't actually think I'd ever hear anything like that. We go back a long way, girl, she goes. Like, yeah, I'm sure Kelly Brook really wants to hang around with you, darling. Not. So you got the grovelling apology. And, uh, and that was the thing that made me feel very happy about life. I thought, it's so nice when Jordan, who, frankly, is a disaster in everything... All of a sudden, gets it so wrong. She tweeted a picture, I think, of Kelly Brook and said she was fat. Well, God knows if Kelly Brook is fat, your makeup artist must be Jabba the Hut. I mean, he's way fatter, way fatter. But of course, you know, without him, you wouldn't be looking like that dreadful Thai lady boy that we think you all are underneath. I love the idea the other day. Well, I don't love the idea the other day, but uh, be warned. I try and warn you every so often. London is a is a dangerous place if you have, don't have your wits about you. And Lulu, the other day, went to a NatWest ATM in Kensington High Street. Um, she pulled out a card to put it into the ATM and uh, a man in a baseball cap said the machine wasn't working and put a sticker over it. OK? What he did then, he grabbed her card and ran. Now, Lulu, not being one to give in, chased him, shouting... That man's got my car. The thief ran to a nearby green Ford getaway and sped off the wrong way down a one-way street with Lulu running after him. Let me just warn you, there are people who will... If you're at a cash point machine and somebody's in... Just turn around and go, why don't you... Off, all right? Just tell them. I don't care who it is, because they can be anybody. But they're generally East Europeans. And what they're trying to do is distract you from the machine. The other trick is, is... Is that your fiver on the ground? I generally... It's never happened to me, but the, my, my producer did this. My producer did this a while ago, about two years ago. She was at the machine, and I think it was in one of the squares in London. And so she put the card in, tapped in the number, and this man said, excuse me, is that your, your fiver? So she went, yes, and put her foot on it. Took her money out of the machine, bent down, picked up the fiver and walked off. That's what you want to do to these people. But remember, you're dealing with, uh, with nasty pieces of work. Nasty piece of work. So just just be aware, just be aware that they're all out there. So if you're at a cashpoint machine and somebody invades your privacy, you turn around, you go just just back off. All right, just back off. I don't like anybody who starts peering round my shoulder, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much indeed. Here she is, the old lag in the paper today. This is a glamorous cougar. Her name is Helen Hart. Well past her, sell by her, by the look of it. Helen Hart's a con woman. I mean, she's old and haggard. I suppose the best thing about her is her hair needs bleaching. But, um, she, um, she actually uh, fiddled her boss's books and she took half a million quid, all to lavish on a toy boy who sold his story to the paper. His name's Adam. Adam, quite clearly, will just about go with anybody by the look of it, judging by this story here. And, um, she's being a fraudster and she showered him with gifts, trousers worth a thousand pounds and a belt made of iguana skin to keep them up. Oh, Adam, honestly, get you, love. They were part of a £3,000 Harrods spree, which included T-shirts and £150 each. She also bought him a watch, a Breitling, for only 1400 quid. He's obviously very cheap in the rent department, by the sound of it. That uh, Adam says, She was a fantasist. I was just dazzled. God, she spent... Th- you are, are dim, aren't you? I can't believe you're this thick. I can't believe it. But anyway, uh, lots of gifts. And she also got him into the bed. She took him to London's Dorchester Hotel. She bought him an iPad... I mean, she, she bought him loads of sort of silly little things, and obviously, being twenty and a bit dim, he was he was kind of um, he was kind of smitten by it. So anyway, she's actually toddled off to uh, to prison. He says here he's been working in a copper mine. He doesn't look quite butch enough for that, but anyway, he says I want to forget that I ever met Helen. I don't know. do you get to keep the gifts though? That's always the thing. Is it? if if you get to keep the iPad and the brightly watch and the iguana skin belt. I mean, to be honest with you, love. I mean, it's a bit simple, isn't it? The iMac was fifteen hundred. He got a Harris trip worth three grand. And I mean, to be honest with you, he said she didn't really spend that much on him at all. She took him round a few places, probably out for dinner. But he looks like he's cheap. He didn't look like he eat very, eats very much, which is uh, which is quite interesting. But she was just another one of those people who worked within a company and decided to um, to thieve off them. And so off to prison she goes. But we have got worse stories in the paper today. We've got really worse stories. You know, I mean, you you see people... I was in a a fish and chip shop on Saturday night after we'd finished. I went with a couple of people, had a portion of chips, and there were some lads in there giving it all big and large. Yeah, man, you know, like boss, can you give me some big chips? You know, I don't want to pay for, like, you know, small... And so what they basically do is intimidating the bloke behind the counter into giving them a big portion of chips for a little boy's money because they didn't look as though they had sort of threepence to rub together. However, I didn't laugh as much as I did when I saw Atomic Kitten, who pitched up at Heaven... Uh, Kerry Katona wearing all black. Very wise when you're carrying that much weight, love. And uh, Kerry, of course, Mike Live? I shouldn't think so. Can Kerry sing? No, she can't. Do the other two look very sexy? Yes, they do. Why are they carrying around their grandmother, then? You have to ask yourself. Poor old Kerry Katona. Her days are past. It's finished. Nobody's interested, but she's going to get married again. Isn't that great? That's so exciting. I knew you'd all be changing your plans for this month. She's going to get married again. She's going to get married to that man who's just come out of prison. That's great, isn't it? It's a real class act, and uh, I hope it lasts a long time and uh, you do really well, because we're all hoping that you'll just disappear off to Australia and and perhaps stay there. That would be a a lovely idea. I'm just giving my advice to Kerry Katona, so don't ever tell me I'm not nice. Let's take a quick break here, after which we hear from Prince Charles, who's spoken about his excitement of being a grandfather for the first time. Well, he didn't sound too enthused, to be honest.
0: LBC 97.3 This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. LBC 97.3 This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen.
1: Welcome back. As you know, I start every day by listening to LBC and then watch a bit of telly and most days... I stumble across the delight that is The Only Way is Essex. Lucky me. So I was sort of uh, going through the, uh, the television show, flick, 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 and all of a sudden I came across The, uh, across the Only Way is Essex, which, which I, was, I was quite pleased with, actually, because it's, uh, it's been some time since I've caught up with the dreary old bags on there. Uh, nothing had changed except this, this time round there's some girl called Yasmin... Yasmin's got what can only be described as the campus brother, you know, since Bobby, uh, sashayed down the street in Brentwood. And he thinks he's going to go and work for Joey Essex. Because Joey Essex has actually got this, uh, shop. I mean, to be honest with you, he's too dim to run a shop. I mean, he really is too dim to run a shop. And so Yasmin's there. And so Yasmin obviously lives at home. She's, um, she's a foul-mouthed old bag at the best of times. Um... Quite pretty, and then she ruins it. And she opens her mouth, and and she turns out to be just another common little tart who doesn't know how to string two words together. In fact, she can barely string two words together. One would be pushing it for her intelligence. And who's her date with? None other than well-known Lothario and Fat Boy around town, and ultimately the dimmest plank next to Joey Essex. Yes, Fat Boy Arge. Fat Boy Arge turns up. Quite clearly, Fat Boy Arge doesn't drive. Sounds a bit like Fat Fort Boyard, doesn't it? Fat Boyard, and uh, he doesn't drive. And to, to be honest with you, I think that's fairly a good thing because he doesn't quite quite clear any money. He pitches up at Yasmin's house. Yasmin quite clearly has spent the entire day modelling herself on a her, some poor old sad page three girl. Because there she is with the sort of the ringlets and the troweled on makeup, and the father who sort of does the "I'm watching you" to Arge when Arge pitches up in a little girly bow tie. It's all a little bit worrying, but we know it's contrived, and, we, you know, it's, it's, so we sort of watch it. And Arge goes, uh, so you're going to be driving? Because, obviously, either Arge doesn't drive or he's not allowed to by the government. I'm hoping it's the latter. And um, and so she goes... "What?" And then she uses bad words. You know, I have to say bad words, because I can't even allude to what they are this morning, because she's so foul-mouthed. She makes, uh, she makes Gemma Collins look as if she's sort of Princess Tiami. And that's not uh, the other one, that's out of a Disney film. And uh, I was sort of watching her, and and then she said, no, because I want to get... I want to drink. And they're going round to the well-known Fahir Sisters hovel, uh, which is laughingly called a bungalow in Essex, or as we prefer to call it, low rent. Meanwhile, over in her shop, where there are no customers at all for poor little Lucy, Lucy's pouring her heart out to one of the three witches from Macbeth, who turns out to be Lydia Bright's mother the interfering old bag of the First Order, who comes up with the biggest guff you've ever heard. I mean, this how she's made it to adulthood. This woman is too stupid. She goes, of course, that's like the Essex way, isn't it? She goes. You know, people... I'm thinking, what are you on about, love? The Essex way? Don't be so stupid and thick. Anyway, thank God we've seen the back and the front of Lydia Dim. But uh, now you've got to put up with the mother, who's just an interfering old bag. She's... Is she in the podcast? In, In whose podcast? Mine. Oh, Lydia Oh, how lovely. And uh, and so we were sort of, you know, I was sort of watching this programme. And then I was I was reminded when I read Kevin O'Sullivan's column the other day. And Kevin says, congratulations to the top team at the Only Wears Essex for packing series 457 with a wide range of exciting new storylines. Lovelorn Lucy Mecklenburg. This is the, you know, I'm sort of over 20, but I behave like a seven-year-old crying a lot because she fears her on off, on off, on off. Recurring fiancé un-Super Mario, may have been unfaithful, never heard that one before. Outsized duo giant Gemma and Fat Arge are both vowing to lose a couple of tonnes in a forlorn bid to change their lousy lives, groundbreaking stuff. Velcro-haired Joey Essex, oh dear, I mean, there's a worry, isn't it, poor soul, Uh, opening the latest of the spray tan gang's crap shops, which presumably, he hopes, might be a little bit more successful than the one Lauren Goodcher's just had to close. Because she's opening a bigger one, apparently, we were told. Remember that one? We were told she's opening a bigger shop. Still waiting on that, and uh, we'll bring it to you first. I've got a brain, says Mr Essex, continuing his dreary theme of his theatrical thickness, but it doesn't work very well. Meanwhile, are we actually supposed to believe that the puppeteer producers had nothing to do with penniless Bobby's irresponsible ambition to become a gay dad? And did spotty Diags devise his nonsensical cheesebroker career... All by himself. There he was, poor old Diags. I mean, dear God in heaven. I mean, he could join the dots on his face with the spots he's got going on and probably make a more interesting picture. The, um, who's the who's the old bag in there who's, who's had so much surgery? She's just... Dear Chloe Sims. They they go to a, a salon, which unfortunately is fronted by... Some, nobody we'd ever seen before... The girl working in the salon, I must, I'm assuming it must be some freebie, because there was this troweled on old makeup bleach blonde bag who was putting on chocolate onto Diags' face. Whereas anybody can tell you, if you've got bad spots, chocolate is the last thing you want to put on your face, I'm afraid. It doesn't work, and it's not very good. And so there he is, the girly boy of all girly boys. And we can't quite work out if he's coming on to Chloe Sims. I mean, she must be the last turkey in the shop, God knows. I mean, you wouldn't come on to her. I mean, she's old and past it. And that was in the first series, but unfortunately she's still clinging on in. So nothing new in this series. Nothing new. Joey's little shop will open and probably close again because all he sells is trousers and T-shirts. And, you know, if you want trousers and T-shirts, go to a proper shop. Go to a proper shop. You don't need to go to some poor old... He won't be working in there half the time because he's far too busy being Joey Essex. I can't wait for it all to finish. And then, of course, Arge pitches up at the Fea's sister's house where Sam goes... That's one with the piggy eyes who's going out with with Joey, who's wearing another one of his Nancy boy outfits. And so, and he pitches up with with Jasmine. Arge pitches up with Jasmine. And Sam goes, like, you know, Arge, you should have told us you're bringing somebody. Everybody else is in couples except Arge, because you don't really want to be seen with him because he's too much of an embarrassment. And so she said, "You you should have told us you was bringing somebody because she said, I've only got five pieces of salmon. And I thought, well, what stupid lump, unless you're from Essex, only buys five pieces of salmon. They come in boxes of two or six. They don't come in fives, so quite clearly the fat bag, who is the, for his sister, has eaten one herself. And quite clearly, no other food in the house. To be honest with you, given the choice of eating there or eating out for all eternity, I'm afraid I eat out for all eternity. I mean, you just, you couldn't... It's not a case if you can't make these people up. They are just too stupid. And by the time I'd heard Yasmin... And my advice to Yasmin would be, darling, watch the programme back and then try and change your voice. You know, I've changed my voice. I've gone from being ooh to all of a sudden, low down here somewhere. You know, trying to make it sound a little bit sexy. But uh, as, as you know, discovered from yesterday, the time we'd got halfway through the programme, we were actually sort of, we were sort of firing on most cylinders. Because you've got to kind of work your voice in. It's like uh, we described yesterday, opera singers, Opera singers have to go la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la and try and make themselves sound better. So I've got the usual today. It's the usual chemist. Here we go. We've got the Pavacol D. We've got uh, water. We've got the chloroceptic. We've got some little satsumas. We've got some honey. And we'll have some black coffee very shortly. In fact, all in all, that's all we need for a programme on LVC 97.3. I see the Prince of Wales, showing how far removed they are from the rest of us, has spoken of his excitement... Uh, the prospect of bonding with his first grandchild. Because you know the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge are expecting their first child in July. Charles said of becoming a grandfather. Wait for this. This is how out of touch. It's a lovely thought and I look forward enormously to that relationship. What the hell does that mean? It's a lovely thought and I look forward enormously to that relationship. God, dear. Listen to this poor kid. This poor kid has got no idea what family they're wandering into. No idea at all. Uh, bad news for daybreak, I'm afraid. Uh, they've lost a hundred thousand viewers since their relaunch six months ago. I see. What they should never have done is started messing about with it in the first place. You know, they tried it. They put in the dreary twosome, the hi year. Well, oh, I can still do that even with a cold. Hi year and uh, an Adrian Childs, boring as heck, boring as heck. They should have left the original team. They didn't need to do anything to it. It was doing fine. And so they've relaunched it, and they put in Alid Jones, who I love to pieces, and Lorraine Kelly, and they've hemorrhaged a hundred thousand. So they're now down to seven hundred thousand. That's less than half the audience of the BBC's programme. And when you think about it, the BBC's is just doing sort of news, blah 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 blah. Whereas Daybreak stick people on like Tamara Eccleston. Well, quite clearly, you, the general public, couldn't give a forex about Tamara Eccleston, whether she's bullied or... You know, you're not remotely interested because you're switching off in your droves. You know, it's, you know it's, it's just one of those things that you can't quite put your finger on what they've done to it, but they've screwed it. And they've screwed it really badly. Apparently now bosses are going to have to pump more money in, something they don't like doing. Uh, and if, if they don't get their million viewers by September, they're going to pull the plug. So it says. So it says. I mean, do you, do you really think they're going to pull the plug on it? I, I mean, I don't know what you can do about it. You know, you can only, you know, sit down there and do what you do. And I don't know what the winning form... Will be, apart from this programme, I mean, this programme gets the biggest audience in London, bar nothing. OK? Nothing. Even the old fat bird just over the river. She can't pull an audience either. Poor cow. But there again, you saw a dance, didn't you? Whew, dear God in heaven. There's one thing taking the mickey out of yourself, and there's another thing going, why don't you stay at home a bit more often? You know, a bit like seeing Gemma Collins from The Only Way Is Essex in a leotard. It's just not pleasant. But there again, you know, that's why there's people like Bobby out there in Brentwood. Bobby the Gay obviously looked at her and thought, I think I'll be gay. I don't think I'll be heterosexual. Not my kind of thing. And uh, so he's there, one of the ugliest gays in the village. I don't think it was possible, actually, to be that ugly and still be hanging around. But he is still mincing up and down the high street. Nobody knows what the hell he does. He's got his little clutch bag and uh, talks like that, you know... And, uh, and, every, and then the funny thing was the other day, you know, being the only gay in the village, they sit him in a heterosexual sauna with, uh, with Mario and uh, the bloke who's not gay but who Bobby fancied at one time. And we had this bizarre, ridiculous scenario going on in Essex, which I thought was, was just not real. You know, the only gay in Essex, he would have been drowned in that sauna. I'm terribly sorry. They don't hang around, actually. The interwoven stories are incredibly complicated, but I'm not entirely convinced it's real anyway. Don't forget, in an hour, we have In Conversation, and on today's show, we catch up with actress and singer, Olivia Newton-John, and new grandmother, for the seventh time, I believe, Jo Wood. But first, here on LBC 97.3, the news at 5.30.
0: LBC 97.3, this is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. You're listening
1: to the best bits of Steve Allen from the week. At six this morning, in conversation with Olivia Newton-John, whose UK tour starts this week, and Joe Wood, who talks about recently becoming a grandmother for the seventh time. But for now, let's carry on with my best bits. And this week, we had one of the biggest events on the social calendar. Sort of. Well, not really. There was a star studded showbiz party last night. I say star studded showbiz party. Try not to laugh too much, OK? It's uh, for Richard Desmond and his uh, new magazine. It celebrated its 10th anniversary. So the stars were out for this one, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, they pulled out every stop under the sun. Who was the first person to arrive at this star studded bash? <coughs> Star-studded bash, full of. Excuse me, uh, so excited by the whole idea that uh, there's so many exciting celebrities. Only Chant, sorry, hold yourself back. Chantelle Houghton was the first celebrity to turn up. Yes, rough as heck, Chantelle turned up, and here uh, she is wear- Apparently, she turned heads uh, wearing a sleek cream outfit. Unfortunately, it was the rancid hair that they'd stuck on her head that made her look like a, an old tart, I'm afraid. So she pitched up, together with Lucy Mecklenburg, in between her crying bouts. Oh, dear, poor... These people don't really have proper jobs, ladies. We seem to be into the subculture. Uh, next to Arrive, TV presenter Lizzie Cundy. Dear God, how old are these people at this party? Lizzie Cundy. Oh, she's some old has-been from Donkeys years ago. And then, um... The World of Soap, wait, you'll love this one. The World of Soap was represented by Helen Flanagan. My God, we've trawled the gutter for this lot, haven't we? Apparently it was the uh, very loyal readers who want to stay with us, I'm sure they have. It's the third-rate old tarts inside the paper. I mean, to be honest with you, Helen Flanagan, Lizzie Cundy, Chantelle Houghton and Lucy Mecklenburg. It's your worst nightmare, isn't it? All the old naffos under one roof. Oh, dear God. Dear God, it really is. It's so bad. However, it's been 12 years, serious, Simon, since the death of Joey Essex's mother, Tina. And apparently, the pain is still very raw. He's never mentioned it ever before, but as Mother's Day approaches, he's mentioned it, and he breaks down in some... Let's face it, 12 years. He was 10 at the time. And he was talking about his mum. Uh, She committed suicide when, uh, at the age of 37. He was 10, and his sister, Frankie, was 13. And uh, he looked through... I mean, it's obviously contrived, isn't it? It's done to make a television programme. So they film him looking through photographs of his mum. It's private. It's a private thing. And apparently he recalled his confusion. Well, let's face it, he can't remember last Thursday, so how he remembers back when he was 10 years old? I've got no idea. He says... um, in the first five years, I never believed it. I was crying, but I thought, nah, she'll come back. But, uh, unfortunately, people don't from things like that. So, of course, they make a big big deal about it. The latest episode, they, they dragged that out. It's a private thing. It's a very, very private thing. Your mother commits suicide. You don't then start reliving it, do you? So, who's, been, who's he been brought up by? We haven't seen the rest of the family. We've seen the ghastly sister. Is there a father out there somewhere? We, or we just haven't seen him on the programme. We seem to have seen the whole of one of the other families... And that dreadful... What was the one the other day? We couldn't bear some ghastly woman on the programme. But I, I can't remember who it was now. Nobody of any consequence, I'm afraid. Nobody of any consequence on the programme. As, indeed, most of them aren't, ladies and gentlemen. So, anyway, so all those love... Chantelle Houghton, honestly. Any party where you walk into it and there's anybody from Essex or Chantelle Houghton, you're straight out the door, aren't you? Because you know you're at the low-rent party. You're not going to be at any party with Tamara Eccleston and Chantel Houghton, are you? They're not going to be in the same room. You know, Chantelle, very low rent. It's like Alex Reid pitches up. Or anybody, well, in fact, anybody from The Only Way is Essex. You know, you don't, you don't really want to see anybody at all. You want to see proper celebrities, proper celebrities that can actually do things, as opposed to just sort of wander about being vapid and vacuous. Which covers so many of those reality shows. But at least the ones in America, they've got money, whereas the ones in Essex don't appear to have anything. I mean, the, you feel so sorry for the poor old Fahir sisters. There's two of them in one house and stuck with Joey Essex, a drip of the First Order. I mean, it's, it's not exactly the best, best scenario, is it, I'm afraid? Uh, wrinkle creams do work. Thank the Lord for that. I was so worried. I'm getting to that age now, you know, as you start getting a little bit nearer a little bit nearer your your next big birthday. And it's, it's not the big birthday, but it's kind of getting a little bit close. I think it's the one after this one that becomes the big birthday. And so you start using, you know, creams on your face. And uh, if you do a sort of fairly butch manual job, like I do, sitting in a studio broadcasting in the early hours of the morning, then uh, you have to look after your skin. If I smoked, it would be worse, but I don't, so it's OK. And apparently if you use cream which contain peptides, it does give your skin a little bit more elasticity. I don't think, though, shaving helps. I really do. I think that's really bad because you're ripping the skin open and that's why you're supposed to sort of put moisturiser on to put the moisture... Because when you think about it, you wake up in the morning, you go to the bathroom, you put the tap on, you fill up the sink and, and you scrape a razor blade or, you know, whirring blades down the side of you and rip the hairs out. It sounds quite painful. I keep seeing this advert and this thing for a no-no. And it's for women to sort of take away their moustaches. Although, to be honest with you, my auntie Enid looked quite nice with hers. I said to her, she could have got a job with the village people, but she wouldn't do the dance. And so you see this no-no thing, you think, that's lovely. What a lovely idea that is. And then you look at the price of it, £199. And you think, is it kind of worth it, ladies? Would you much rather grow a moustache and sideburns as opposed to having to spend 200 quid to start shaving here and shaving there and shaving there and doing all sorts... You know, it's not worth it, is it? Let it grow naturally. Who was that film star who turned up in Leicester Square? And she lifted her arms up to wave, and she had she hadn't shaved under her arms, and it was all she was quite East European. It, it was very much a Christina Onassis look. Was it Julia Roberts? Oh, people fell back in horror. She's got hairy armpits. It's not considered very ladylike, so people have to have to sort of shave it off. But I think she waved. she's got hairy armpits. As I say, it's 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 very Russia. You imagine most women in, in Russia do have very, very hairy legs. A little bit like you, uh, Virginia Because when she sat on the bus, Mrs Doubtfire, because it was it was a man, and they couldn't have picked a hairier person than Robin Williams to play the part. This man could grow an Afghan rug on his back in an afternoon. There used to be a bloke on one of the programmes. It was Hollyoaks, I think, before they went all peculiar. And uh, he was covered in... I've never seen anybody... Never seen anybody so hairy in my life. It was a bit like Ronan Keating, before Ronan Keating got himself dipped. Because he used to have hair growing up the top of his shirt, sprouting over the... Oh, it used to look disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. But uh, now he's dipped, and now he is one of those uh, sort of people. Dave says, do you remember the pool's coupon man? Used to call round with his football, spot the ball. Oh, I remember spot spot the ball. I can remember doing this years and years ago in the newspaper, and then thinking, well, it can't be that difficult, can it? You've got to roughly work out. They would take a picture of a football game, and then... And then they would sort of, you know, you've got to work out where the ball is. They would take the ball out and you would put a cross. And if it was there, then you got £20,000 or £50,000 or whatever it happened to be. And I remember thinking, can't be that difficult, can it? Until I realised that it was, it was done almost like on a computer. The ball, the, the cross that you'd marked had to be right in the middle of the ball. And it was nigh on impossible. Nigh on Impossible. And I never won anything. And I did do the pools for a little while, as indeed did most people in this country, before we had the lottery, before we had, um, you know, the national lottery and we had the Euro Millions and we had this great huge amounts of money which were tempting us to part with our own money. And and I watched them on the television. I watch every morning. I flip through the channels and there would be about four channels uh, where it's people playing roulette. And I do watch and I think... And they go, and so-and-so, you know, fussy Face has got £2 in their account. And I just think, it's hardly worth bothering, is it? And they're all offering you lots of deals, you know, put £10 in, we give you another £50 and you can play with it. And I keep thinking, we've become a nation of addicts. It's bad enough buying the rubbish jewellery on the jewellery channels that crop up all over the television. I mean, the garbage they're selling is almost tantamount to, to just cheating people. It is rubbish. It is so much rubbish. They did a thing demonstrating the other day on, it might have been bid or price drop or one of the two, and it was to take off scratches off cars. And I thought, don't waste your money. I've seen all the demonstrations. I've bought the stuff. It doesn't work, let me tell you. You know, shake the pen, do this. One of them, he just did a little light scratch. To be honest, with you could have actually got it out by going, th- 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 spitting on it and rubbing it with your finger. It would have taken it out. And even after he'd done it, it didn't take out the scratch, and they were still selling the stuff. It was, it was just awful. It was just rubbish. I sit there and watch, thinking, who buys this stuff? And I think probably people like me. who we are just sort of thinking about things which make you laugh on the television nowadays. And I have to be brutally frank. There's not a great deal of comedy shows on the television that actually make me, that make me laugh out loud. The only show, and it's not meant to be a comedy show, is that show called Total Wipeout that they've axed which is where people think they're terribly fit, and I'm going to do this, and they, they have to jump. I think it's done in Argentina because of the, the, uh, the laws on health and safety. And it's hosted by Richard Hammond with Amanda Byron. And it's just very funny because they've added sound effects. Ooh, ah, ooh. And you get all of this going on. And it just makes me laugh. And I can laugh openly out loud, which is, is something that doesn't happen for comedy for me. I can watch a lot of comedy on the television, and I go, yeah, it's very good, but it doesn't make me laugh out loud. Sometimes I cringe. Sometimes I do cringe watching some old comedy back on the television. But when I watch Total Wipeout, it just makes me laugh. You watch these people come, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and then they jump onto this first. It's supposed to be a a fitness kind of a programme. Julie Peasgood did it. I don't think she was very good at it, poor soul. But it was just it's the noises it's the sound effects <coughs> here we go uh, the sound effects that they add on which just make the program as far as i'm concerned it's like watching the x factor with simon cowell or britain's got talent you know once they start doing their sob story like their auntie auntie elfin was run over by a sort of a snowplow mainly because she went out wearing all white in winter that kind of stuff and uh, and the and the music builds up to a crescendo and we all sit there go oh it's so sad and they go and the dream is the well, dream is to sing for my auntie. And, and then they, they open their mouths and they can't sing, bless them. They really can't. But uh, we do watch it. We do like talking about television. Uh, somebody says, here, Malcolm, I see that the powers that be are finally clamping down on these payday loan companies, not before time. Well, I always find it amazing that people are so desperate you're going to go to a company. I mean, to be honest with you, come on, hands up. Would you ever go anywhere near any company advertised by well-known bankrupt Kerry Coke Toner? Are you serious? You would, take, you would take monetary advice from that woman. Of course you wouldn't. She can't even organise her own finances. And that company that she's advertising charge 1,738% interest. You'd have to be barking bloody mad to go anywhere near a company that charged you something like that. That is just... You know, what they do is, though, they prey on on poor people like you. They prey on people like you, people who can't go to the bank... People who can't borrow from anybody else. People who live hand to mouth. People who are probably on benefits. That's, that's who they want. They want you. Because they're going to they're get their money back some point. You know, nothing you can do about it. But uh, they can all come and see us. But as I say, any anything that Kerry Katona touches, I would avoid, like, the plague, I'm afraid. Somebody's written here, so, so tongue-in-cheek. How many lives must, must Justin Bieber destroy? He should be banned from the UK, I say. Do something, David Cameron. Nah, go on, rip the fans off, Justin. We all laughed all the way to the bank. Go on, you do it. You know, if people want to follow him, they follow him. If they don't want to follow him, don't follow him. Doesn't make, a, doesn't make any difference at all, does it? Not, not to any of us. Probably makes a difference to... Uh, to fans, I suppose, of Justin Bieber, but I don't know which category they fit into. Are they very young? Are they very naive? Answer, yes. Thousands of those believers were distraught after Justin was two hours late on stage, and then on Thursday, he collapsed on stage after getting short of breath and feeling faint. We'll have another quick break here, after which, shock horror, Lucy Mecklenburg takes back Cheating Mario.
0: LBC 97.3 This is London's Biggest Conversation with the best of Steve Allen. LBC 97.3. This is London's Biggest Conversation with the best of Steve Allen.
1: Welcome back. This week, a reality star tried to go to court and it had me riveted. I followed with great interest the, uh, the court case at the moment about the, you know, the woman from The Apprentice who's in court at the moment. And it's interesting because one of the lines that came up yesterday was uh, from Alan Sugar, and he said she was more interested in being a celebrity. The moment that disappeared, she lost interest in the job. And I tend to find that with all the people from The Apprentice. I mean, they're all, they're all barking mad, as you know. Most of them are delusional. Uh, some are benefit fraudsters, uh, some are just absolute rubbish at what they do, but they're all, they're all living in this delusional world. They're a little bit the only way is Essex. Little bit, you know, not exactly, but they're certainly pretty close to it, some of them. Uh, in your handbag, ladies, I'm looking at a picture in the paper today of Colleen Rooney. Uh, the woman who seems to spend a fortune on clothes and yet, bless her heart, has nowhere to wear them. So it's only when she does a fashion shoot that she can wear the... I should imagine, all around their house, there are pictures of Colleen in floaty-floaty outfits and Wayne, you know, in his hoodie, because that's about the mark, I'm afraid, because he just doesn't... He's probably got a few very expensive suits in the wardrobe, but he never wears them. Whereas she likes to put on floaty-floaty items, but, you know, going to the kebab shop, it looks a bit ridiculous. So every time I see her out, she's wearing what I call NAF, you know, council house stuff, Primark kind of material, and probably costs an arm and a leg. But she's got this enormous handbag. And I did ask the question what in God's name do women keep in their handbags? So somebody's told me purse, phone, diary, inhaler, hand sanitizer, keys, mine, mum's, son's, sister in law, uh, car, British Legion, tissues, pen, medication, business cards, notepad, baby wipes, mini radio, tuned to LBC, angina spray, dextrose, camera, no room for any makeup. Like it. My God, you've got some stuff in there, haven't you? Mind you, what I should have done is gone through my carrier bag this morning because that's got all medical. We were showing somebody on one of the other stations uh, in the building on our way down, well, you know, what we bring down in the morning just to sort of keep the program going through while we're suffering with this stupid cold thing and sort of waiting for it to disappear. And uh, just looking at the items in the studio day one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten items we need. Oh, eleven, I beg your pardon. Eleven items that we need to bring down to the studio to get us through till 6.30. It is sadly pathetic. I can only apologise in advance for being daft on a Thursday. It's as simple as that. It just doesn't work. Although, actually, it was very funny yesterday. I thought I say very funny. It wasn't funny at all, actually. Um, and I, I was walking out the building. And generally speaking, I'm, I'm not exactly 100% with it. ..when I walk out the building. I mean, I'm sort of... I'm sort of with it, but not 100% with it. And I was walking down the road, and, and somebody went, ''Hello, Steve.'' And I thought, ''I don't generally respond to anybody.'' I'm, ''I might just go, ''Oh, hello.'' like that. Thinking, oh, ''I don't know much this might be a listener.'' ''Could be anybody, I don't know.'' As it turned out, it was the new reporter for Nick Ferrari's programme, Tom Swarbrick, who, um, who apparently... So we had this little chat, you know, both sort of at this end of the day. He went to bed at half past seven the night before, because I think he's newly married... Anyway, so he, he goes to bed at half past seven. And I said, what time do you get up? He said, I get up at four. I thought, I bet your wife loves that. You know, two people in the bed, then one person's going to bed before anybody else. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? Just ridiculous. But I had a little chat He's very tall, very good-looking boy. You know, it reminds me of me at his age. <coughs> but unfortunately, I've shrunk over the years, and the looks have gone. Has Lucy Mecklenburg taken Mario back? What a drip she is. Because he's, he's in deep depression, isn't he, Mario? He was in the papers yesterday. This is Mario Falcone otherwise known as that big girl's blouse. And he's got loads of tattoos, and apparently very depressed about Lucy and all the rest of it. But I thought she has got a wandering eye. And if you've got a wandering eye... I mean, she's a bit of a drip. She turned up the other day, had a picture taken with Chantel, we mentioned them, for this uh, Richard Desmond magazine. I quite... I I do admire Richard Desmond, because he's managed to turn round, you know, the magazine. Because he can't get proper celebrities, they have to create their own celebrities. So on the front of OK! magazine, you've got the likes of Samir Garda and some, you know... Some skater bloke who's been around the block half a dozen times. Uh, and then a picture of Chantelle, Her bloke buys her diamonds. It was from any of these shopping channels on the television, love, I'd take them back because they're rubbish. There's something today. The usual over-exuberance on the shopping channels for the jewellery stuff. You know, oh, I can't believe... <gasps> Look at... Oh, you're going to love this piece. And out comes this most grotesque, chavy piece of cut glass you've ever seen. Up comes the price. 649 quid, and uh, Bimbo goes into raptures over this one. I can't, this is just, oh, so gorgeous and gorgeous. Anyway, eventually Bimbo stops doing the hard breathing, as she's obviously come off Babe Station, and, uh, and wanders down to the fact that you can buy this piece of rubbish for £69. Pounds. And believe it or not, a few saddos actually phone up to buy this stuff. It's a real topaz from Nigeria, she goes. Assuming that most things that come from Nigeria are fraudulent. This thing didn't look any different to me at all. So Lucy Mecklenburg taking Mario back. Oh, well, she's all by herself, isn't she? And who's going to touch her? Who's going to touch her after she's been with Mario? You know, it's, it's not the kind of thing... She's just a bit drippy and wet. She can't... I love the way they call her a model. When was the last time you saw Lucy Mecklenburg doing any modelling? Is that a loose term for faded old has-been, don't do nothing, hangs around with tattooed boy? I can't think of any other reason. I can't think of any other reason why she's sort of uh, out there. Uh, Nick in Berkshire has given up on this programme. This is ITV have put Columbo on. You sad person. You sad. Don't you have a box set? Obviously, not a fan then, are you properly? Obviously, not a proper fan, I'm afraid. If you're a proper fan of Columbo, mate, you've got the complete box sets. I nearly got an interview with him. Sadly, he died. I can't watch daytime television now except the right stuff, says Naomi. Uh, the ITV presenters are unbearable. Oh, you can cope with uh, Mr Wright, Kenny. I quite like him, but I've noticed that they have to put... Obviously, the, the producer, because I don't think he, he has any say in who puts the programme together. They've got some really, really bad people on his, on his panel. Some are friends, which is the TV people, which is OK. I can cope with that. But yesterday they had... Um, who was that cokehead off EastEnders? Oh, Daniela Westbrook. And uh, she was on there. Doing the, you, don't, you would never go to Danielle Westbrook and ask for an opinion on the newspapers, would you? I mean, I wouldn't. It's not the kind of thing that I would, I would be interested in. I want to see some people who understand what they're talking about. I'm not saying I want to see the same people all the time, because you do tend to see that, don't you? Actually, I've just thought of somebody who we haven't seen for ages on LBC, but that's, uh, that's another thing. Uh, one here says, uh, uh, I love your show. You make me laugh a lot. I live in Oman, which is lovely. I, uh, I wake up in the morning 8.30am here. I bet the weather's nice. I bet the weather's very nice in Amman. I have never been to Amman, actually. The producer went, let's talk about Richard Brides. He went, he's dead. You know, we have talked about him when he was alive. But they all pitched up yesterday. And uh, 200 family and friends gave him, uh, you know, a good send-off. Eh, nice man. Nice man. That's all I can say. Nice man. But they were all there, from Prunella Scales to Penelope Keith, uh, Emma Thompson... Even Felicity Kendall, scotching any rumours that there was something going on that uh, they didn't get on at all, and uh, he'd, he'd, he'd described her as being somewhat odd, I think at times, but uh, she was there, and of course she's the one who makes all the, all, the, all the photographs in the papers. it's Felicity Kendall, mainly because after he died, she was resolutely quiet on it. She didn't say very much at all, so that's why I think all the papers have put her in. There's no other reason apart from the fact that every likes her, but uh, I you get a bit older. I suppose there must be that element, mustn't there, of, listen, we just... It was just a job, OK? I wasn't really his wife. It was just we were playing two parts. We're actors. But you must build up some sort of relationship. A God in oh knows what Emma Thompson was wearing. I mean, she started to be as barking mad as Helena Bonham Carter. Who I do... In all her films, I love Helena Bonham Carter, but her sense of fashion, I'm afraid, leaves me absolutely stunned. And Emma Thompson, the other, and oh God knows what you were wearing, dear. God knows what you were wearing, but, uh, but interesting. I suppose it's called fashion. Perhaps I just don't understand things. Did you see Gemma doing keep fit on the Only Ways Essex? It looked like she was going to have a heart attack. Yes, I think it's on the Extra podcast. Poor old soul. Uh, as usual, fat girl fat, who can't lose any weight, has decided that in an effort to come up with a lame storyline, her and fat, uninteresting, uneducated, thicko Arge uh, should do a kind of like a sponsored workout and so all the thin people on there have to watch these two fat lardies trying to lose weight. And, of course, it's just a joke, isn't it? I mean, there's no way. I mean, she's fat because she stuffs her face. Nothing you can do about it. Um, Alison reckons they've got a tattoo parlour in Selfridges. A tattoo parlour in Selfridge? Where? I know Selfridges like the back of my hand. I've never heard of a... T- they wouldn't have a tattoo parlour in there. They wouldn't get the licence for it. They'd never get a licence for a tattoo parlour. You've got to be uh, something completely... They, they've got two people who read palms, haven't they? Well, there are two people there in the book department who sort of, you can go in there and have a holistic reading or something. I've never heard of a tattoo parlour. Find out if there's a tattoo parlour in Selfridges. We're having a check on that one. I've never heard of it before, and I've been going there for donkey's years. Donkey's years. 84850, Uh I've just realised, says Jan, it's your uh, birthday next week. How nice. It's on a Sunday. You're three weeks younger than my partner, Don, who has a big birthday in 2014. Oh, right. He says, sorry that your cough and throat problems have been ongoing for so long, but you still sound on form, despite them. I saw the Northern Lights in Norway last month. Phenomenal. If you haven't done it, I really recommend it. I saw them in the Arctic Circle. Mm, 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 Which I think is kind of better, isn't it? Yes, I saw the Aurora Borealis. It was fantastic. It's just one of those... <clears throat> natural phenomena phenomenons that you want to uh, to look at. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I remember rushing inside, saying to people, quick, 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 Northern Lights. And they were all less than impressed. But I loved it. Excuse me. I have to do my slurpy, slurpy water bit. Actually, it's a bit more raspy today. I wonder if it's the, do you think it's the curry that's taken the roof of my mouth off. You never know. Um, so here's a picture of uh, the good life. And all the stars, morning Richard Bryars. As I say, the best thing you can ever say about Richard Bryars is he was a nice man. He was a nice man. He played nice men. You know, he was. If you wanted him to live next door to you, it just worked. That program worked. I couldn't care less whether they got on, whether they didn't get on. I, d- I don't care. For us, as the as the great viewing public, it worked. You know, from uh, from Margot and Jerry next door to Felicity Kendall playing his wife and their... yeah, it was just... It was just great. It was great. And we all want to live there, don't we? We all want to be in that family. We all want to be part of it. A fond farewell from his many friends and colleagues this week for Richard Bryers. Don't forget you can download the full podcast of the show from the LBC 97.3 website, that's lbc.co.uk, as well as the free Extra podcast, which is up there every day. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Steve Allen Show. i back tomorrow morning from four. After the break, you'll hear from Olivia Newton-John and Joe Wood. But first, the news at six.